there. Welcome to the Calm Podcast, combining academia and life with Marilyn. My name is Marilyn Ritchie, and I have been a mentor and a scientist for 15 years, and I wanted to find a platform to reach more of the academic community than I interact with at my own university. My goal is to give you strategies and ideas for how to achieve harmony between work and life. Sit back, relax, and let's achieve harmony together. Hey there, this is Marilyn. Welcome back to another episode of the Calm Podcast. This week, all that I have on my mind is change and growth. And maybe it's because it's springtime and I'm noticing everything starting to bloom and grow outside. I'm also noticing how it's much lighter early in the morning and We have more light into more of the evening, so there's just a lot of physical changes in our surroundings that are happening. Maybe it's also because, at least locally in the Philadelphia suburbs where I live, uh, the landscape around what's happening with vaccine distribution for the COVID-19 vaccine has really changed just in the last two weeks. You know, the state of Pennsylvania is now... Um, allowing anyone age 16 and over to be vaccinated. And the Philadelphia suburbs were a vaccine desert for months. Like even people who were in the eligible category were struggling to get vaccinated. And now we've gone from a vaccine desert to a vaccine oasis. I am getting emails from every organization that is distributing vaccine offering me a chance to take the vaccine. So it's just fascinating to see how much that's changed. And yet while everything is changing, there are other things that very much are staying the same. And some of that is really troubling. I'm, I'm really struggling this week with what happened to Dante Wright, the 20-year-old man in Minneapolis or in a Minneapolis suburb who was shot by police, an African-American man who was shot I'm also struggling, you know, I've known about Asian racism in this country for a long time, but really starting to hear some of the stories from my colleagues and my friends, it, it's just, it's a lot. And I'm really trying to understand, you know, how, how can I have an impact in this space and do better and work toward social justice for you know, for our people, you know, these are American people who are suffering because of other American people. And I'm just, I'm struggling with it this week. But because of everything kind of in certain areas changing and other things not changing, it just really put me in a space this week where I'm thinking a lot about growth and change and evolution and, and why some things change you know, is this a phenomenon that we should expect? I think the answer is yes, that, you know, this is just the nature of life, that things grow and change. And it's natural to have this happen. But yet sometimes when it's happening, it, especially depending on the nature of the change and whether it it just feels challenging, um, it, it's just hard. It's hard to go through. 
Um, and, and when things aren't changing that you want to change and you want to hit the gas pedal and just, you know, really shake things up and make changes, it's frustrating to try to understand why things can't change faster. Um, I'm really trying to think about kind of how and why we embrace change and how important it is. I mean, I, I've, I've definitely thought back this week about some TV shows and movies where they'll show characters who, you know, have not changed in terms of their personality or their values or their experiences or their viewpoints since high school. And it's usually something comical and it shows, you know, this like sports star from high school who was at the top of his game and was like super popular is still very much that like sport type person really into sports and like all the same things they were into in high school and how they really haven't adopted kind of the values and the changes that happen as you transition from high school to being an adult and then an older adult. And usually it's comical and kind of poking fun at that. And and so when I think about those, I'm like, okay, changes are supposed to happen. This is a good thing. But at the same time, some people don't deal with it well. And and as a mentor and a friend, I've been thinking a lot about how to help people deal with the change better. And then at the same time, I'm like, how do we hit the gas on changes that need to happen faster, that just feel like they're not changing? So today I'm going to run through some thoughts on kind of why I'm thinking about this and some of the, the things that have come up in my mind this week. And then I also just want to talk about um, how how I'm dealing personally with some of the change that's happening in a hope that it would be useful to you as, as you're dealing with the changes that I imagine are probably happening around you. All right, so how did I get into this frame of mind over the last week, really thinking about change? As I mentioned, you know, maybe it's just the season changing and the weather and the environment. I think part of it is I just, in the last couple of weeks, read Think Again by Adam Grant. If you have not had an opportunity to get this book yet, strongly recommend it. In it, he talks about... um, challenging ourselves to to take things that we think we know and think again and to perhaps think more like a scientist which of course being a scientist that really resonated with me and just how many of the things that we thought we knew and thought we understood we have to continue to ask questions about and think about differently because even the things that we know and the people that we are grow and change and evolve over time. And so while some truth may have always been in a certain stage of life, it may not be the same in a different season. So it's a great book. I highly recommend it. And then this week, I'm actually reading something called Simple and Free. It's by Jen Hatmaker. It's her new book, which is an updated version of a book that she published several years ago uh, that was called Seven. And in this new book, Jen Hatmaker, the author, has updated sections that are in a bold, kind of different font, where she updates the book, and in much of it, she 
speaks to her 2007 self that wrote this earlier book. You know, the book was written, you know, more than a decade ago. And it's interesting to see how, you know, some of her thoughts and views stayed the same, but many of them really have changed over the last decade. And it was interesting to kind of watch her um, deal with her past self right there on the pages of this book. I've also thought about it quite a bit. Uh, There's a, a situation that happened online last week with another author that I have mentioned before on the podcast. And, you know, I've kind of stopped following her as closely maybe in the summer of 2020, uh, but her name is Rachel Hollis. She She's just done a lot of things over the last six to nine months, and even more so just in the last month, that um, just are pointing out some, perhaps some changes that she has been experiencing, or at least is allowing to be shared more publicly than what her public persona was earlier. And it's just been interesting to think through my own journey through kind of the personal development, you know, book space and literature and podcasts. And, you know, I really liked her first book. It came into my life at a time that I needed some of what was in that book. I think I read it back in, I think it came out in 2018. And some of what was in there was stuff that I really needed at that time. And kind of where I am right now, you know, she's just not the the author or the podcaster or the type of voice that is speaking to me or that is what I need. And again, that also just has been interesting to think through, you know, am I jumping on the bandwagon with other people who are just really irritated with her? And there's just, there's a lot going on on Twitter, really bashing her lately. And, you know, I, I feel bad. And I empathize. It, it, oh, I would hate to experience that. At the same time, some of what she has said on social media has been pretty, pretty outrageous and really stuff that I can't get behind or agree with. But, but then I questioned, like, how could I have enjoyed her so much? Well, you know, that was a different season in my life, and her messages were different three years ago than they are today. And I think that was an important lesson for me this week to realize that, you know, we all grow and evolve in our thinking and in the seasons of life and in what we need. And so finding what speaks to you at the season that you're in, I think, is most important rather than beating yourself up about the the things that spoke to you three years ago or five years ago that, you know, maybe now where you are currently don't serve you and, and aren't what you need to hear. And, and that's okay. One area that I see is changing and is moving though not as fast as I want it to, is what is happening at academic institutions in the United States around social justice. So both the Black Lives Matter movement and anti-Asian racism and, or let me be clear, anti-Asian, you know, being anti-racist for Asians, as well as LGBTQ, And 
I do feel like the needle is moving. I just wish it would move faster. But I know at least at my own institution, a lot more is being done. Change is happening. Our language is changing, which I think is just so overdue. And I'm really, I'm really glad that it's changing. And at the same time, it's really a challenge. And I don't know if if others are experiencing this as well, but like for me, when I look back at some of my old scientific publications, there's language in there that I today in 2021, I cringe when I see it. Things like use of the word minority when talking about um, African ancestry or Asian ancestry groups in a, you know, a genetics publication. I read a book uh, over the last year called This Book is Anti-Racist. It's by Tiffany Jewell. It's a fabulous book. I learned so much. It's a very small, short book, quick read, but oh, so much packed in there. But the biggest takeaway for me was the use of the word minority. And, you know, as a white person in the United States, any population that is not of European ancestry is referred to as a minority group. And yet globally, European ancestry is the minority. But because of the founders of this country and and how it came to be, they have put other populations like African ancestry or Asian ancestry into the minority group, which means fewer, but they, they being kind of the founders of this country wanted it to be that group is less than, not as good as. And so in my mind, you know, I, and I'm not uh, trying to defend myself per se, but it was the language that we were taught in school and in graduate school. And now I find that we're trying to undo all of that, you know, white supremacist teaching that happened. But I have a lot of papers that have the word minority, and I'm changing that now, but I cringe when I see it. Similarly, using the word race in genetic studies, we have learned over the last year that it is simply not appropriate. We're not talking about race, which is a political construct. We're talking about continental or country of origin ancestry. And the reason that it's important in genetics, which is the field that I'm in, is that we want to make sure that we are not um, either falsely identifying genes as important for disease or missing genes that might be important for disease because we have brought together data from different ancestry groups that have then different frequencies of alleles or genotypes in those genes and It just messes up the statistical analysis. That's the bottom line. We're trying to do the analysis correctly. But so many of our papers have the word race. And there's a big effort by the National Human Genome Research Institute here in the U.S. to get rid of race in genetics or specifically in human genetics by 2030. And just, you know, to do that, we need to be more accurate and refer to uh, groups by their ancestry group if what we're talking about is genetic ancestry. Similarly, gender. You know, so many science papers talk about gender when really we're referring to chromosomal sex and it's it's sex at birth. It's not even how someone identifies or perceives themselves. It's 
Are they XX, XY? And to be honest, those were the only categories that were really considered in a lot of papers. And we now know that there are a lot of people who have, you know, XXY or XYY or, or other variations. And again, I cringe and uh, just, ugh, it feels gross to now feel like I'm starting to understand better how to be more inclusive and um, give more equality to all of the different diverse groups in, in terms of gender, in terms of ancestry, etc. And that leads me to this point that I want to make about any changes when we reflect back you know, these are the things I've been reflecting on this week because I'm working on some science papers and I'm correcting other people's language to be more current and correct and equitable and inclusive. And at the same time, I look back at my old citations where I didn't do it. And my immediate reaction is to feel a lot of shame and I feel awful and I just want to take it all back. And while I absolutely felt that way, I had to realize that is not helpful to beat up you know, past Maryland from 15 or 20 years ago, that's not helpful. What I need to do is recognize that that I've grown, that my community has grown, that the field that I'm working in is growing, and I need to just do better and be better. You know, I am not proud of some of the language that are in some of my papers in the past. I'm a, I need to be held accountable for them. I wrote them. But just feeling bad about it doesn't fix it. What I need to do is make sure that my papers don't do that moving forward. And more importantly, teach and mentor, you know, the students and collaborators that I work with to do the same. We, we need to do better. We need to be better allies. We need to be more inclusive in our language and more accurate about what it is that we're talking about, not use language that is hurtful and divisive but instead use language that is inclusive and accurate. I want to quote the great Brene Brown, another author that I love. She has a lot of writing about shame and vulnerability, but this quote in this context really speaks to me. So Brene says, shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we are capable of change. This is where my head went kind of when I went into the shame spiral. I it's not helpful to feel shame about it. It's helpful to believe that we're capable of change. I know that I'm experiencing the change and I need to embrace and move through it. I wanna go back to a point that I made a little earlier, but I wanna maybe just reflect on it and say it a little bit differently. I think one other thing that's important to um, to recognize as as we do grow and change through life's different seasons is that it's natural to outgrow certain activities, certain people, certain authors, um, certain you know podcasts or movies or TV shows. I think a lot of you know what what speaks to us to us and resonates with us has a lot to do with timing. You know, if I think back to when 
we, you know, I was married, but we didn't have children yet. There were certain, certain things that we did, certain people that we hung out with that really suited us at that time. And then it, it definitely changed when we had young children and kind of the activities that we're involved with have changed again as we have older children. And I expect it'll change again when we're empty nesters in a few years. It's all about the timing. You know, I, I believe that the universe kind of brings people and content to us at the right time, that we need to hear it, that we want to hear it, that we're open to it. And sometimes, you know, what suited us for a long time just won't as we evolve. Or something that, you know, earlier somebody recommended to us and it, it didn't really resonate or you didn't really like it, it might be of interest to you later. I think, you know, going through the the authors that you're reading or the the podcasts that you listen to or the TV shows that you watch, if you find that you're just not enjoying them as much, there's there's nothing wrong with kind of just stopping the the activities and the content that you've outgrown or that you've you know, just no longer speak to you in a way that's positive and allow you to move forward. I know that it's a lot harder to do this, you know, with people um, that, that you're friends with, that you, you know, socialize with. That can be a harder thing to, to grapple with. You know, I, I certainly have some friends that I've had since college, and while we've grown and changed and our lives have gone in different directions, I have some that, you know, we still see each other several times a year, and we've stayed pretty close. And then there are others that, you know, we don't really talk much anymore. I haven't seen them in, you know, three to five years, and that's natural. I think it's hard to expect everybody to kind of stay in that same uh, circle forever. So just recognizing that it's a natural part of growth to um, outgrow certain activities or certain authors. And I think, you know, back to um, the the point I made earlier about Rachel Hollis, I think this is an example of that. There was a time that, you know, what she had to say was something I wanted to hear or needed to hear. And currently it is not. And and that's okay. Uh, so now I'm looking for, you know, other content that, that is what I need. On the business side, there's a great business book that I've read about this. The book is actually a, a leadership book. It's called, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And it's by Marshall Goldsmith. And it's basically this idea. Like there are certain, certain activities, certain values, certain ways that you might do something that worked at a certain point or perhaps to get you to a certain stage of your career. But those same things won't work to take you to the next level. Why? because that next level requires something different. Part of that growth is learning to do things differently, 
learning to think differently or think again, and learning to you know, adapt and evolve to the new role that you're taking or kind of the new circumstances that are coming about in the new role that you're working on. Um, I'm really excited. I'm going to participate in an academic leadership uh, training over this next year, and I just can't wait to see all of the new lessons that I learn and opportunities for growth. And and I'm sure there are going to be new books and authors that I learn about through the course of this new program that I'm going to start this summer. And uh, I can't wait. And I'm sure I'll share some of the content here on the podcast. The last thing that I want to talk about today is this idea that while life is intended for us to continuously grow and evolve and change, there are definitely going to be times that we have setbacks or periods where growth feels slow. We feel stuck. We feel like we're just going through the motions. I think it's normal that we can't always be moving forward and always growing and always changing. There are seasons where we have to pause and let things be while we deal with certain things. One way to think about it in my mind is thinking about a staircase, perhaps with landings. So, you know, you go up a a flight of stairs and then there's a landing, a couple of feet kind of platform that you can stand on before you go to the next level. And, and I think sometimes in life, you know, we're climbing, we're climbing, and then we get to one of these plateaus or these landings, and we just, we need a breath. We need to pause there, kind of get our footing before we try to climb again. And sometimes we might even go back down a step or two. You know, things happen, people change, things change, and you go back a few steps. And as long as we're not like falling down the stairs and like off the staircase entirely, I think, I think that's normal and we need to be okay with that. You know, I, I feel like that with myself, I've talked on the podcast several times about morning routines, which is something that I, I really, I love my morning routine and I have to be honest, it's been off the last month. Um, I know exactly why it's not about me personally. It has to do with just my routine changed because my kids are both back in school at their school in person. You know, they had been virtual all year. And now I wake up at 6 a.m. It used to be that no one else got up until after 7. So I had an hour to do my morning routine. Well, now when I get up at 6 a.m., I have two kids who are up and, you know, they're they're eating. Can you sign this? Can you look at this? Can you help me find my whatever? On the one hand, I love that I have this time with them in the morning that, you know, before I, I didn't have. They'd like wake up just in time to get online and do online school. And now they get up and they get ready and they have this whole kind of their morning routines that I'm a part of. But that means that I don't have my quiet time, my time to read, my time to journal my time to work on the content for the podcast. Um, so I'm still trying to shift and figure out what it looks like. Um, so I feel like, you know, I I was taking steps forward and steps up and things are going well and I'm kind of maybe take a step back or two while I, I pivot and restructure. And before you know it, it'll be summer 
and they'll be sleeping in and I'll have all morning to myself again and, and then it'll be easier. But again, I'm not really, you know, beating myself up about it. It just, it, it's the season that we're in. We've only got about one more month of school or a month and a half and, and then it'll change again. It doesn't mean that, you know, the year is ruined. My goals for the year are ruined. It just means, you know, maybe April of 2021, I don't have my, my usual mornings, but I am still finding time to read later in the day. I'm still finding time to get the workout in. It's just I have to be a little more intentional and deliberate about like sneaking it into other windows of the day where before, you know, it all happened between 6 and 7 a.m. So, you know, if you're finding that you're making good progress on something and you're moving forward and then, you know, someone gets sick, you get sick, something happens and it throws you off, just shake it off. It's fine. Don't let it like ruin everything. You know, every once in a while having a setback is normal. We all experience it. You just got to kind of dust it off, get back on and start moving forward again as soon as the time allows. All right, I am going to wrap up for the day. One last kind of parting thought is that we all need to be ready and aware that life is, it's either already changing in the community that, you, that you're in or it is about to. And I know for my family, all times they are a change in. So I already mentioned my kids are back at school. They're back to playing sports. That's been, you know, seven days a week. One of them has a sport. Vaccines are happening. I get my second shot this week. My husband gets his first shot next week. Like we're going to be vaccinated against this horrible virus and be able to start doing some more things with a bit, a bit less apprehension. Um, at you know within my research group, we're talking about you know what does it look like to start going back into the lab, and at my institution, there's more talk about kind of, you know, when are we going to come back and what is that going to look like and business travel is starting to creep up on my calendar. I actually have trips on my calendar in the fall and winter. It's super exciting and really scary and almost giving me this confused feeling. And I'm trying to just take a deep breath just do the things that feel right and not force myself to do things that don't feel right. You know, we have had an enormous disruption over the last 14 months and we need to be gentle with ourselves as we are easing back in. Um, I have a necklace that has two words. It's a circle and it has two words engraved on it and it says strength and grace. And that is my mantra right now as we're transitioning through this period of going from you know, pretty much shelter in place, stay at home into the future. I'm doing everything I can to not compare what other people are doing to what we're doing. And I would encourage you to do the same. We've got to each do what feels right and what feels right on the day. Sometimes things feel fine to me and other days I'm scared and won't do it. And I can't explain it. It just is what it is. And I think we need to be patient with ourselves because I think this, like that step analogy, we're going to take a few steps forward and then we're going to have a few steps back. And I think that's just going to happen over the next many months as we transition from, you know, the fear of COVID into this place where the community is vaccinated 
And we're trying to figure out what does that look like in terms of masking, in terms of quarantine and, you know, COVID rates. It's going to evolve quite a bit over the coming months. And I think we need to just take a deep breath, be strong, give ourselves grace, and kind of be along for the ride, do what we can to stay calm, and uh, we'll get through it. We'll be on the other side of it, and we will all have many stories to share. So with that, I just want to say have a great week. Thank you for joining me, and I'll talk to you next time. You've just listened to another episode of The Calm Podcast. I hope that some of the strategies that I talked about are helpful to you in your journey through academia and life. As they say, it's not all about the destination. It's about the journey. Let's make it a great one. Until next time.